Hi, and welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that as you listen, you will be both encouraged and challenged to step into what God has in store for you. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing? Yeah, it's a good morning, right? It's kind of a, a perfect morning to come to church because it's not that sunny right now, but that's okay. Everybody's good. Everybody's feeling ready for, yeah, for this. Okay, awesome. So, um, some of you may not know me, you've probably seen me here and there, but my name is Brad, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here at GMC, like Brenton said, and you're probably maybe thinking, who's this new guy? He doesn't look like he's been around very long, but I'm actually not that new here. Uh, my wife and I have been in pastoral leadership here at GMC for about seven years now, um, pro- focused primarily in uh, high school ministry, and so it's just been an awesome seven years, and now more recently, we actually got to sort of expand our focus to um, connecting with young families as well, so we're the youth and young family pastors here, and um, it's just, it's so much fun, and so I I said I would shout out to the the high schoolers in the room, so shout out to you guys, yeah, high schoolers, okay, (laughs) some of you are probably up there, okay, I said I would, so I did, um, I'm excited, though, for my kids to actually get old enough to be in youth because I see what it is, right, and how that network happens and how mentorship happens, and I'm excited to see my, my kids become students in that way and, and be involved in youth ministry because it's just a cool, um, it's, it's cool because some of you may be their mentors, you know, and that's, that's exciting to me for them to have that network. And so I, I have a, a beautiful wife and three kids, um, Lila, she's almost five, Avery is a little more than two and a half, and then Owen just recently, about four months old. And so um, we're loving the newborn life, which um, some of you may remember as parents, the newborn life, it's quite a challenge on its own. Lack of sleep can be a thing, but it's still really fun. Kids are, kids are so much fun. I have to tell you just one quick little story uh, that happened just yesterday, and uh, actually Friday, but um, it happened just a couple of days ago. So Lila is turning five in just a few days, and she is ecstatic, like beyond thrilled, just like any four-year-old would be. Um, This is what she's been talking about for the last six months. It's the first thing that she's going to tell you when you run into her is that I'm turning five, right? And so she's just beyond excited. And so we we had some people over um, a a couple days ago, and uh, we, just to celebrate her, and one of the little gifts that she got was this brand new, fresh pack of, of uh, uh, washable markers. And so this couldn't have been a more perfect gift. Um, she loves to draw, she loves to, to color and all of that stuff. And so that evening, she was drawing with these new markers. She, she cracked it open, she's drawing this beautiful picture on her notepad, and... and uh, I don't know if something just didn't go the way she wanted it to or whatever, I don't know, but she all of a sudden just ran off to the bathroom, grabbed a washcloth, soaked it with water, it's dripping wet, didn't even wring it out, ran back to her paper and started vigorously just wiping her paper. And I was like, stop, Lila, what are you doing, you know, like what's going on? There's water everywhere. And she's like, but dad, she's all distraught, she said, you said these markers were washable. <laughs> and I was just like, oh man, my kids are brilliant, but sometimes so literal. It's just hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And so this stage of life is really fun. Um, and so kids are probably the greatest, some of the greatest sources of joy and laughter, right? And sometimes maybe the greatest reason for hair loss, too. Um, 
I'm just saying, I don't think it's a coincidence that kids and hair loss happen at the same time. Um, but um, it's, it is an honor to be here this morning sharing with you guys. I feel like this is just a heart message. And it's, it's really easy to share about the topic that I'm sharing because I feel like God's been doing this in my heart and I just get to share what God's been doing. And some of these points that I'm gonna go through are just things that I've been learning and I'm excited to share that with you. So I feel like this is just a rhema from God. And uh, let's, let's pray and then we'll just jump into all of this. God, thank you. Thank you for this morning, Father. Thank you that um, you love each of us in such an amazing and perfect way. And God, we're excited for what you're gonna do this morning. We're excited for the word that you're gonna give us this morning, God. We're excited and we open our our hearts and our minds and everything, God, to what you wanna say this morning. And we say, have your way here, God. Amen. Awesome. So today we're gonna be talking about Hannah, as you probably saw in the bulletin, and I, I love Hannah. I mean, she is a real hero in so many ways. I just relate to her. Um, she's amazing. Some of you maybe don't even know who Hannah is. Hannah is Samuel's mom, right? Does that ring a bell for any of you? Um, so, so Hannah, um, just a few cliff notes about Hannah before we jump into the passage. Um, just so you understand some of the context around this story, she's married to a guy named Elkanah, which is kind of a cool name, Elkanah. Um, but anyway, that's her husband's name. She's most likely the, the first of two wives that Elkanah has. Apparently that was more of a thing back in the day. Um, if one wife couldn't give you kids, then you just marry another one. And that was, I don't know, that was more common back then. It's kind of weird, but it's an important detail to understand as we read this story. I'm gonna let Pastor Code clear up all of that multiple wives thing some other time if that's needed. Um, we'll, yeah, just leave that. Um, Just understand it though. So 1 Samuel chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 3. So year after year, this man, talking about Elkanah, went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to all of her sons and daughters, but to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. Interesting, hey? Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her, and this went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Isn't that interesting that she has this rival poking at her about the fact that she can't have kids? That's such an interesting detail for the writer of this passage to add. And so we can see that that this is a very sore spot for Hannah. This is a very uh, tough season, a, a difficult situation that she's in, and she's up against something that feels impossible, something that she feels hopeless about because there's this, this gap between where she is and where she so desperately wants to be. And so I think a lot of us in this room, I know there's some of us in this room that feel like you are in a place a bit like that where you feel like you're up against an obstacle or you're up against something that feels impossible, you know, and you feel stuck. You know, you feel stuck between a rock and a hard place and and you don't know, how could this situation ever work out? 
Maybe there's, there's something that you can relate directly to this passage and it's actually about having kids, you know, in your life. Maybe that's your obstacle. Maybe your obstacle is, is your health or a family member's health or maybe it's an addiction or a sin that you'd like to see gone and just haven't been able to see gone yet, right? And, and maybe it's a relationship that isn't going the way that you want it to or, or maybe it's, it's your kids and something related to them, right? Or, or your future, you feel like you need clarity but you just can't seem to see what's next. And maybe, maybe your obstacle is fear. Maybe your obstacle is fear. That's a huge obstacle for many of us, right? And so we, we all get stuck at some point in life and, and we face obstacles that feel impossible. And so what I wanna do this morning is just really for a quick second, just take a moment and connect your mind, connect your life to this thought. What is your obstacle that you're facing right now? Just to personalize it, what is the obstacle that you're facing right now? You can probably place something, right? We all face them. So Hannah, she goes up to the house of the Lord and begins to pray, and so we're gonna pick up in verse 12. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you gonna stay drunk? Put away your wine. And I think that's funny, right? Because his pastoral sense is a little bit off there. It's not, he's not quite on point there. Um, and she says, not so, my Lord. Hannah replied, I'm a woman who's deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer. And I, it's funny how she just covers it all, you know? <laughs> wine or beer. I'm not classy and I ain't country. <laughs> None of that. None of that. <laughs> I was pouring out my soul. Okay, I shouldn't, okay. I was, <laughs> seriously. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying out here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you've asked of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. And then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. She went her way, ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. I think if Hannah was, 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 was down here with us, she came alongside us in this race we call life and just jogged with us for a little bit, I think that the first thing she would tell us that we could learn from her is that the impossible is faith's opportunity. The impossible is faith's opportunity. Tell somebody beside you this morning, the impossible is faith's opportunity. Notice how Hannah, she, she didn't walk away from the house of the Lord that day with a baby. And yet, she's no longer downcast, and she's hungry. Eli says one sentence to her, and her countenance changes. Physiologically, she changes after one sentence. And I believe that it's because she was filled with faith and peace, and it's because she was using, she was allowing God to use this obstacle as an opportunity to grow her faith. She was filled with, with, with faith and with peace because God was, she, she allowed God to use this obstacle. So whatever it is that we're up against, God wants to leverage that situation to grow our faith in him. Does that make sense? God wants to leverage the obstacle that you're facing. He wants to leverage the difficult situation that you're in 
to grow your faith in him. We're called to continually grow in our faith, right? And and Hebrews 11 verse six is clear that without faith, it's impossible to please God. God wants to continually grow our faith on and on. And I'm not talking about the faith for salvation. That's a whole nother thing, right? We're all saved by grace through faith, but I'm talking about the faith to believe God for the next step in our life, the next step in the plan that he has. And so sometimes it feels impossible to see that next step, never mind actually get to that next step, but here's the thing about faith, right? Faith doesn't always grow in comfort. I find that faith often doesn't grow in comfort. This is why God sometimes allows us to face these obstacles and doesn't move them immediately because faith doesn't always grow in comfort. We sometimes, I think we pray, sometimes pray counterproductive prayers because we we pray things like, God, use me. God, give me purpose. God, grow my character. Make me a testimony. And these are all amazing prayers that we should pray. But then when hard times or trouble come, and then we say, God, take this away. Take this obstacle, remove it so that I can keep walking in my comfort, right? I don't want to go through discomfort. That's not fun, you know? I don't want to go through discomfort. But what I've found is that usually character and purpose come through the conduit of pain. And that's, that's harder, that's easier to say than it is to actually live out. But it's true. Character and purpose come through the conduit of, conduit of pain. I really believe that it's in the valley of despair and desperation that faith grows. And it's because in those valleys, that's where we actually recognize our need for God. See, here in North America, we can sometimes get on our own track of providing for ourselves, right? Because we're richly blessed. And to some degree, we can sort of do life on our own. But it's when we hit a wall, right? And we we face the impossible and we start to face something that we actually can't provide for ourselves or, or, or move out of the way ourselves, it's in those times of desperation that our faith grows. And so there's actually power in desperation. There's power in the valley. Um, desperation drives us to realize that God's touch in our lives is what we need more than anything. That's what it is, right? And so Hannah was desperate for God to intervene in her situation. It's kind of like when you, when you work out, right? As you, this is me working out. As you can tell, I got this two-pounder here and I take my working out very seriously. Um, and so it's like when you work out, right? And you actually, when you're working out, you actually have to stretch your muscles. Those of you guys that actually work out regularly know this. Um, this is a good theory for me. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> when you work out, you actually have to stretch your muscles. You actually have to overexort your muscles and almost kind of pull your muscles so that they'll actually heal back bigger, right? You actually have to go through the pain in order to grow your muscle mass. And I think if you want to reach your fitness goals, right, of lifting X number of pounds, like two pounds, if you want to reach that goal of lifting two pounds or you want to run a marathon, right, you you have to be willing to go through the pain one day at a time and believe that that pain is slowly growing you toward your goal. And so God wants to grow the muscle of faith in your life. He wants to grow it. And he's going to use your situation to do that. Tell somebody next to you it's okay to be uncomfortable sometimes. Yeah. 
So I want to encourage you this morning, when there's a gap between what we currently have, what we so desperately want from God, God is preparing you for the weightiness of the next thing that he has for you, the next thing he wants to do through you. He's not trying to do something to you. He's trying to do something in you so that he can do something through you. That's the truth, right? And so he allows obstacles so that we're going to start actually getting desperate enough to work out our faith and, and, be, and be in a place where we're strong enough to say, God, I have peace even while the obstacle is there. I have peace even though the obstacle is there. That's faith, right? God, I trust in you despite the obstacle. I take my, my focus off of the obstacle and I put my focus on you, God. That's what faith is. And so I put my faith in you, God, because you are faithful. So the impossible is faith's opportunity. So turn obstacles into opportunities and see what God does. I think it's going to be amazing. The second thing that I think Hannah would say is position yourself for a word. Position yourself for a word. I find that um, often when we get stuck in life, we often choose one of three responses. These are kind of our default human responses. First of all, I'm going to buckle down and I'm going to try harder on my own strength. And I'm going to go for it. I'm going to put more effort in. I'm going to put the sweat in and I'm just going to try to resolve this. But we know that there are some things in life, there's no matter, how much, no matter how much effort we put in, we can't resolve it on our own, right? The second default human response that we sometimes go to is I'll try to find a solution from everybody else around me, right? And so we crowdsource wisdom sometimes. You know, we crowdsource even, even counseling sometimes, and sometimes on social media, which is not always a good idea, um, Sometimes, and so that's, that's our second go-to response. And the third one that we often choose is I'll accept this as my lot in life. And I'm just going to live stuck. And uh, we stop trying to do anything at all or even believing God has a better plan. And, and it puts us in, a, in neutral, which usually means that we're going in reverse, right? And so we can see, though, that, that Hannah chose option four, and she positioned herself for a word from God. She positioned herself. She went up to the temple and she started to pray. And when I say a word from God, I'm talking about like a rhema. Pastor Claude calls it a rhema, right? That would be the, the word for it. Or, or another way to describe it would be like a word in season for your season. A word in season for your season. Something that God highlights to you in your life, in your season. And so in her desperation, she goes to the house of the Lord and she starts to pray fervently she prays and she kept on praying that's what that's what the passage says she kept on praying it wasn't just a one prayer one and done god i prayed for that one time right you know sometimes we do that a little bit right it's like well i i prayed for that and god's not coming through but but she was really pressing in so that's a side note that i want you to catch is that she was pressing in and i want to encourage you to press in and make make god make prayer your first response not your last resort right and so when, when Hannah got this word from Eli, she acted on the word in faith and it changed her life. Like I said, her, her face was no longer downcast, her countenance was changed, and, and she was able to eat. And so she, she took the word and she acted on it in faith. And I just want to say this over you this morning, I want to just declare this over you, that God has a word for your season. God has a word for your season. He wants to bring hope in our despair. 
If we feel despair this morning, he wants to bring hope. And that's why it's so important to position ourselves for a word from God. And you guys are actually positioning yourself this morning by being here. Because you may hear a word from God even in this message, or, or Pastor Claude, or Pastor Brenton, Pastor Corey, they all bring quality words from God each week. And you may catch words like that, and, and you're positioning yourself for that, and that's why it's important to keep doing that, to keep coming and keep positioning yourself for a word from God, even on weeks where you don't feel like it, right? And, and another way would be like prayer summit, shameless plug for prayer summits, right? Um, we, we pray together, and, and God sometimes just powerfully speaks through other people. It's so fun to, to have God give us a word through someone else. And then, of course, we have, to, we have to put ourselves in a position physically and spiritually in our walk, in our daily relationship with God, where we, we actually spend time in listening prayer, you know, and we actually spend time with God, reading the word, listening to what he has to say, and just being led by the Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage you, get yourself in a position to hear God, and then just act on that word in faith like Hannah did. So tell somebody next to you, position yourself for a word. Position yourself for a word. We're going to pick up in 1 Samuel 1, 24. We're just continuing through chapter 1 there. Um, skipping a little bit, but we'll go to 24. It says, after he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour and a skin of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. By the way, this is the same place that she was praying so desperately for God just a few years before. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli, the boy being Samuel, and she, she said to him, pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. And I prayed for this child and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. And so now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. I believe the third thing that Hannah would say is that surrender is everything. Surrender everything in life. This is such a powerful picture of surrender. If we can just imagine for a second how hard this would have been. Because to put it in perspective, Samuel probably was about two years old. Maybe three, but probably two to three, really, really young. And so Hannah, can you imagine, was literally going to go and give her son to the work of the Lord, literally leave him at the temple to be raised by Eli. Imagine the surrender that would have taken. And part of me wants to ask Eli, you know, like, dude, you, you agreed to that? <laughs> like, you agreed to raising this kid? Like, he, like there's a good chance Eli potty trained Samuel, you know, it's a funny thought, right? <laughs> but, but the surrender, right? Like, talk about a wild faith, you know? Talk about a wild surrender. That would be so hard. It must have been one of the hardest things she'd ever done, but by doing this, she showed us what it means to live life with an open hand. To live life like this and say, God Everything is from you, and everything returns back to you. See, it wasn't about whether or not she could believe for a child, but it was about when Samuel was actually in her arms, could she give him back to God? Could she do it? Could she surrender him? And so surrender requires us to live like this and say, God, 
It's, it's not a matter of whether or not God can put something in your hand. It's a matter of when God does put something in your hand, can you still live with an open one and say, God, everything is from you and everything returns back to you. Whatever's in your hand, God put it there. So the question is, what do you need to surrender? So we have to ask ourselves, what do I need to surrender, right? Because too many times, this is what happens. We, we live like this, you know, and, and we, we receive something from God, and then we start to get our grip on it, and we start to close our hands, and we start to tuck them in close to us. Thank you, God. I'm, I'm just going to keep that, you know? <laughs> and it's like, this isn't a good position to receive the next thing God has for you. This isn't a good position. We have to find a way to still be like this. Everything that's in our hand is from God and returns back to God. And so that's the, the heart condition that we have to have as we go through life. So what is it we need to surrender? Is it our finances? Is it our, our kids, our health, our relationships, you know? And surrender, when we can actually do this and wrap our minds around it, it brings so much freedom. It brings so much freedom because what's awesome is that it's not all on us. It's not all on us. When we can surrender and we can live like this, we say, God, for example, God, I give you my kids, I surrender my kids to you, whether that's their lives or whether that's the fact that they're going to kindergarten soon and that freaks me out, I surrender my kids they're yours. I can't perfectly protect them anyway. And so, God, everything is from you and everything returns back to you. Same thing with all the other things, right? Finances and everything and, and relationships, all of that. It brings freedom when it's not all on us. So can I live with an open hand? Can I say, the Lord gives and takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord? <laughs> See, surrender is linked to faith. Because surrender is faith in action. And that's how point three and point one connect. Woo! <laughs> they connect. It's awesome. Surrender is faith in action. And so it's when we open our hands that God can open our eyes and our heart. It's only when we have enough faith to open our hands and surrender that God can open our eyes to show us what he's doing in our next step of life. And so God wasn't doing something to Hannah. He was doing something in Hannah and through Hannah because it was Samuel who would become Israel's greatest judge. And it was Samuel who would bring back the voice of God to the people of Israel. It was Samuel who was going to become the prophet to anoint David. And it was David, it was through David that Jesus would come. Isn't that awesome? You see how powerful things can it's powerful when we do this and powerful things happen when we have enough faith to surrender, when we make room for God to do his thing and be a part of our lives. And so what do we need to surrender? What do we need to surrender? Like I said when I started this message, it comes from a really personal part of my heart and, and it's, I feel like it's a heart message. Obviously, I'm not perfect at surrender, but it's just something that God's been kind of teaching me in the last number of years is a continued surrender. And, and the big, um, I guess the big example of when this happened was um, when we, we had our second child, Avery. She's two and a half years old now. And uh, this is when God, when she was born, this is when God started really teaching us about surrender and what it really means. Um, 
Avery's about two and a half now, and you'd never guess by looking at her, but she actually has five different heart defects that gave her a really uh, rough start to life when she was first born. Um, Avery was nine days old when her heart failed, and uh, she, she started turning blue and the whole thing. Um, we, we knew something was very wrong, obviously, but we had no idea what was going on. We, we didn't have any... Um, idea that she had heart defects or anything like that because all of the prenatal testing and ultrasounds, they all looked good. And so we rushed her into the hospital and uh, within a few minutes, we went from thinking that we're holding this, this healthy baby girl to thinking that we may lose her because of how bad she was doing. So after eight hours of trying to stabilize her, they finally stabilized her enough to, to take her to Winnipeg and they managed to um, yeah, stabilize her, but they told us that she would need heart surgery, and uh, they would also continue to do testing on her brain and her kidneys and other organs because um, her heart hadn't been pumping um, oxygen through the blood into the rest of her body properly for a few hours, and so um, we were just amazed and relieved when the test came back good and that her brain, kidneys, organs were all um, fine. So that was kind of the first miracle that God did in a series of miracles that we saw. Um, and so Avery then um, flew, yeah, they, she was flown to Edmonton for heart surgery. And so the first surgery they performed on Avery's heart was on December 19th, 2016. Avery was about three years, th- not three, not three years, three weeks old at this point, and I'll show you a picture just to give you an idea of what she looked like after surgery. There's just tubes and wires coming out of everywhere. Um, and but, but after the surgery, she actually continued to, to get worse. And so she decided, they decided, the doctors decided to do a, an, another heart surgery, and this would be an open heart surgery. And so they would have to perform something called the Ross procedure, one of the highest risk procedures that they perform there. And it would mean replacing her aortic valve, and that would mean then um, down the road lots of more surgeries um, just to kind of maintain that valve throughout her life. And I remember um, the evening before this big surgery, this high-risk surgery, we were just emotionally wrecked, my wife and I, and and just feeling really, really overwhelmed, a lot like Hannah. And, uh, you know, all these thoughts about would I ever walk her down the aisle, would I ever you know, be able to even take her home? Would we, would we go back to a family of three because she was our second? Would we, would we ever be a family of four? And we prayed so many desperate prayers in this really tough season and we begged God to let us keep Avery. And our desperation, it drove us to a realization that we needed God to take control more than anything. And I remember exactly where we were standing in the hospital the evening before this, this high-risk surgery, and when we cha- I remember where we were standing when we changed our prayer from God, let us keep Avery, to God, you can have Avery. Whether you allow us to raise her or not, God, whether you decide to take her or not, she's yours. And I remember so clearly exactly where we were standing just a few minutes later, um, we'd prayed that prayer in the hospital and we started walking back to our room and it was just this frigid, cold winter evening. We were walking down the sidewalk outside of the hospital and God's peace just came over us, like supernatural peace um, and it was just powerful, like a warm blanket and 
my wife and I, at the same time, we just looked at each other like, what was that? What was that? God just did something incredible. And we talked about it later, and we were just like, man, I feel so much peace, and I feel such a deep understanding that even if God doesn't allow us to raise Avery, I would be okay with that. I would be able to accept his will. And so we finally were able to surrender her to God and we finally opened our hand and surrendered her and said, God, I put Avery in your hand. She is from you and we surrender her to you. Have your way, God. And this was powerful. This was so powerful. Um, it just did something, you know. It changed us. And, and so the next day, Avery went into surgery and, and the first thing, this was first thing in the morning and we were told it would be about an eight-hour surgery so we, we went back to our room and, and we turned on some music and we just spent some time in worship as she was in surgery and, and God gave my wife Crystal just this amazing picture of Jesus. It was kind of a vision. It was Jesus holding Avery against his chest and, and just cuddling her against himself in the operating room. And all around him and Avery were his legion of angels. And yeah, <sighs> The room was just packed, and she wasn't alone. Um, and it was just such an amazing picture of hope, you know? Because it brought so much comfort, right? It brought so much peace in our lives, and it was just doing something in our hearts. And so when the surgeon went in to actually do the procedure, this is where God did his second miracle. Is he, he actually, the surgeon discovered that the valve didn't look as bad as the test had showed. And, and he was able to repair her aortic valve instead of replace it. And this was just such a miracle, you know. And our situation turned out so much better than we thought it could. We've had two and a half amazing years with Avery so far. I'll show you a pic of her currently. Yeah, she's living a healthy, normal life. Praise God, right? And uh, yeah, we can praise God. Yeah. Yeah, she's... She's amazing, and uh, you know, the doctors say she, needs, she might need more surgery, they're not sure, um, but we're believing for another miracle, and so that's where she's at today, but through this process, we've just been kin continually learning to surrender our lives and our kids, um, and, and God's just been growing this muscle of faith, and in those toughest weeks of our lives, God actually grew the muscle of faith in just leaps and bounds. Like, it was incredible how much faith we could then put in him. And it was through positioning ourselves for a word from God. And it was, it was, it was having an attitude of surrender that allowed him to do that in us. And so I'm, I'm not saying that we followed a formula perfectly and that's what equaled a miracle. I'm not saying that this is a formula to get what you want. If you have enough faith, God always answers your prayers the same way. We know that God doesn't always answer prayers the same way, right? And sometimes it's hard because we don't see that breakthrough right away. But what I'm saying is that God used this difficult situation to do a work in me and teach me how to live with an open hand of surrender and accept his will over my will. And I really believe that the peace and understanding that he gave us was so supernatural and it actually would have allowed us to accept his will even if his will was not to let us raise Avery. And so that's the beautiful thing that happens. When we surrender to God's sovereign will and put our faith in him, 
we choose to trust him with our lives, he gives us that peace. He can give us that peace. Peace that allows us to say, no matter what, God, my faith is in you. See, because our faith is actually not based on what God does, our faith is based on who God is. That's why it's such a beautiful thing. So when we surrender in our faith, God brings blessing, God brings peace, and we can see in Hannah's life, if we continue to read in chapter two and three, that, God, that Hannah lived a full life. She lived a full life, and God gave her five more kids. And it was just an incredible blessing, and it turned out probably better than she could have imagined. God wants to bring peace. God wants to bring blessing. And so I encourage you with this today, this morning. The impossible is faith's opportunity. God's not trying to do something to you. He's trying to do something in you so he can do something through you. Position yourself for that word from God. God has a word for your life, and it's always good. And then surrender everything to God, because when we have that faith to surrender, God has room to do what he wants to do in us and through us. Amen? Awesome. I'd ask you to just stand as I close. I want to take a moment this morning and just get the worship team to come. I want to take a moment this morning just to give you a chance, just to reflect on, God, what is it that I need to surrender? What do I need to surrender, Father? What do I need to say, God, have your way. I open my hands to you. And I say, everything is from you and goes back to you. Have your way, Father. Maybe it's your kids, you know? Maybe you need to surrender your kids. Maybe you need to surrender your your future, right? You don't see what's next. Maybe you need to surrender your finances or your health. Maybe you need to surrender fear. Maybe you need to surrender sin. there's something in your life this morning that you need to surrender, I just invite you to go ahead and lift your hand as your symbol of surrender and just say, God, I give this to you. Just go ahead and lift your hand right now and surrender if that's something God's doing in your heart and say, God, I give this thing to you. I give this thing, whatever it is, I give it to you, Father. And as you do that, just let God fill you with his peace, even now. Let God fill you with his peace. Father, we ask for your peace to replace anxiety, to replace our hopelessness, our fear. God, just bring your peace. Father, thank you that you are always ready to work in our hearts. When we open ourselves to you, you are ready. And so I pray this morning, God, that you would stir our hearts with this word of surrender. And as we go from here, God, would you continue to make this word come alive in our hearts, in our lives, God, surrendering to you. Give us the strength, Lord, to do this because we can't do it on our own strength. We can't even give our stuff to you out of our own strength. We need your help, God. And so we, we pray this, and we ask this, because we know your will is better than our own. We put our faith in you today, Father, because you are faithful. Just invite you to pray that in your heart. If, if, you're, if you're ready, if you're willing, just invite God and just, just pray, I put my faith in you, Father, because you're faithful. Put my faith in you because you're faithful.
Yes, Lord. Thank you, God, for your amazing love, your grace, your mercy, for your blessing on your people this morning. Amen.